Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a podcast from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roden, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam Jones. I'm the Campus Support Team Director here at South Mountain Community Church. With me, I have Eric Nelson and Paul Roby. Guys, we took a little break and you're back now. So, you know, Eric, tell me a little bit about your summer. And then Paul, tell me tell me a little bit about what's been going on. Man, we had a good time. We uh, went up to the Northwest. We're from there. Went to our old favorite uh, restaurants. Went to the Oregon Coast. Went to a place called Bend, Oregon, laid by the pool, played some golf. Um, had a great time, feeling refreshed and ready for this next season of the podcast, but really the next season of ministry as well. Great. Paul, what about you? What you been doing? Well, we've been trying to stay relatively cool during this heat wave, but uh, we did make it for a week out at the Jersey coast and went swimming in the ocean. Jersey like, Shore, Paul. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's not the same as the West Coast. And the sh- and the waves are different, but it was good, and uh, definitely got some golf in. So happy to be back for this podcast. Excellent, yeah. We're we're everything's kind of new right now. Some things new happening at the church. We're meeting in our locations again. We're meeting. We're recording in a different spot now too. Um, so everything's kind of a bit new. But a couple uh, housekeeping tips here, real quick for you. First off. I do want to thank all of you for for listening to this um, and just not only supporting you know the the, the church through listening to this and, and sharing it with people, but just uh, being able to learn more about who we are as a church. We have well well over two thousand downloads for this podcast. Um, I think people have really been enjoying it. Um, and so what I would invite you to do is continue to be sharing it with people. In fact, write a, a, a review if you can as well. I got one here from this is Badger Proofreader. He gave us a five star. Um, or I'm assuming it's a he, it could be a she. Uh, it's outstanding episode is what they say. Extremely informative and inspiring. Thank you all for what you do for the church. So it's, you know, I'm just glad that people are still writing reviews and, 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 uh, just enjoying this. And as well, I want to encourage you guys. I talked to even some people at some events I was at over the summer. Um, some people that have said, oh, you know, I've, I've been thinking about, you know, calling in and leaving a question, but I don't even know, do I want my name on there? You could actually call into the voicemail and not have to leave your name. You could just say, hey, I attend, you know, you know, maybe you don't want to tell people who you are. That's fine. You could ask a question anonymously. Um, that number, and it will be in the description below for this episode, is 801-382-8151. And you can call in, leave a voicemail. You could say your name, where you're from, or you could just be anonymous and, and ask us a question. Um, and now, as we're going into season two now, we're, we're going to call into season two. Season one was like this big kind of like trial thing. We're like, hey, let's let's try something to engage people in some different avenues during everything that was going on. Season two now, we're, we're in and starting back up, and I think people are excited that to, to be listening to this again. But we're jumping into something a little bit different. Guys, what, what exactly are we talking about from the SMCC way? Well, this is where we move from our mission to our vision. And way back when, when we were trying to put together our, our thoughts regarding what kind of church we want to be, it was important that we actually understand the difference between a mission statement and, and a vision statement or vision um, qualities of the church or something like that. And typically, uh, churches confuse the two, which is fine, because there is no right way to do this. However, 
When the word vision is used, what I noticed was a lot of times a pastor would say, you know, I went away with God for a week, you know, hiked in the mountains or something like that, put my feet down into the mud of a stream, and God gave me a vision for the church, and the church is going to look like this. And Isn't that what you did, Paul? No, I didn't. It, uh, changes, it changes every year. Yeah. <laughs> new vision for the church this new year. <laughs> And, and that is a problem, yeah. that a lot of times the vision changes all the time. And so I wanted to use both words. M- our mission has never changed. It's very specific, and, and it really is very intentional. Like, what are we trying to accomplish? And this is how we measure success, by uh, as many people as possible taking their next step to become fully devoted, fully delighted followers of Jesus Christ. We are or are not a successful church if we do or don't accomplish that mission. Now, the vision is more how we accomplish that mi- mission. And so uh, a lot of times a vision has to do with we want to be uh, the biggest church in the valley, or we're gonna ha- we're gonna be known for the best children's ministry or youth ministry. Uh, the, uh, a lot of times, it has to do with the pastor's passion, like what he wants to be known for. I, I've heard this used several times. We don't want the history of the church in Utah to ever be written without SMCC being mentioned, something like that. Or we want to be the church that's missed if we ever went away, or something like that. All that is relatively meaningless to me, because in our context, we have an LDS culture that we are engaged with. And just like missionaries, we have moved in here, and we are trying to engage the culture in ways that are meaningful to the people we're trying to reach. And so what we've tried to do is form a a vision that has to do with becoming a particular kind of culture. And so we have cultural values. Like, our vision is to be a particular kind of church the kind of a, a, a church with a certain culture, or I think, Eric, you mentioned the word vibe. You know, people need to be able to walk in, and without thinking about it, they automatically pick up on the culture or vibe of SMCC and basically say, I like this. There's something different here. I don't know what it is. I don't know what all the values that they subscribe to, but I am experiencing something radically different than my LDS culture. Yeah, let's. I think it's helpful to spend some time talking about what culture really is. I mean, of course, culture, uh, in a broad perspective, uh, is is sort of hard to put a, put your finger on. If I were to get on an airplane, let's say I flew to Japan tomorrow, I would land, and I would experience their culture. Now that is based on you know hundreds of years of art and language and food and worldview. All that is their culture. But the moment I step out of the airport, I would experience it in an instant. And I wouldn't even necessarily know all the things that led to my experiences, but I am experiencing culture. So I like to describe culture like this. It's the invisible but tangible parts of every organization or group of people who are collected together. So um, there's a culture everywhere you turn. You go to In-N-Out, there's a culture. There's, they're wearing the white, the white outfit, the hat. Uh, they're energetic. That's part of their culture. Chick Fil A has a culture. Chick Fil A is the biggest. Yeah. One. What do they say when when you say, "Hey, thank you"? What do they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. That's yep. that's their culture. Um, it's you're experiencing it very tangibly, but um, it's sort of this invisible part of what it means to serve the guest at Chick Fil A. So, 
our culture at SMCC is what everybody experiences when they're with us. What everybody experiences when they're with us or when they're with you is your culture. When you pull into my neighborhood, there's a culture. Kids everywhere, okay? That's part of our culture. Your marriage has a culture. When you invite friends over for dinner, the moment they walk into your home, they're experiencing you um, in a tangible way, although it might be invisible. And so this is what culture is. The business you work for has one. You might love it. You might not like it. Uh, but most businesses are working on improving their culture. Um, and so this is what we mean by culture. And if you're young, uh, like Paul, you said, we think of it as a vibe. I've walked into the doors of SMCC, and there's a vibe going on. And um, that is a very important thing for us to get right. And so we, we focus on culture. I think it's really important uh, because I think Peter Drucker said that culture eats strategy for lunch. Yeah. And yet pastors oftentimes think way more about strategy than they do about culture. Mm-hmm. I also think that culture trickles down. And so what we've tried to do is put special emphasis on a staff culture and get that as healthy as possible because that will trickle down. And so we're trying to demonstrate and exercise and live out our, our cultural values at a staff level to the point where ultimately everybody in terms of volunteers, leaders, small group leaders, whatever it might be, pick up on that culture. Yeah, I like to say it this way. If you have a decent strategy plus great culture, good things are going to happen. If you have a great strategy but horrible culture, good things will not happen. Because right. you can't move people in a bad culture to uh, implement and execute on great strategies. So yeah, Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for lunch or breakfast or dinner. I don't know which one he for some meal. said. <laughs> so we've talked about having a compelling or irresistible culture. That's what we want to do. And what we want to recognize is that the LDS Church has actually done a phenomenal job of grooming or forming a very particular culture. And to tell you the truth, a lot of people like it. Now, that culture uh, consists of, a lot of times, families with a lot of children. Uh, It's uh, helping your neighbor, service, Real concern in terms of if if somebody's uh, going through a tough time, there's there's help available. I'm naming all the positive things. Um, just genuine genuine friendship from a lot of people. Uh, you know the people you go to church with. You live in their neighborhood. You see them all the time. The kids do Boy Scouts together. Young women's whatever it might be, and. There's just a sense of camaraderie because you share so many things in common, even if it's not uh, theological. And and this is what's interesting. People oftentimes think of Mormonism as a set of theological concepts. But after living here, you start to realize there's not five LDS people that agree on, on doctrine ever on anything. And so... Pretty soon you realize this is a bigger deal than we ever thought. Culture trumps doctrine Mm. for a LDS person. So when a Mormon leaves Mormonism, what they're looking for is grace and truth. That's that's the, the hallmarks of our culture, grace and truth. But that grace and truth should form a radically different kind of culture, an irresistible culture, a um compelling culture that will now take the place of their old culture. In fact, it should be healthier than their old culture. 
And so if we can do that, we're going to be successful at our mission. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, we've talked about this, I think, in a previous podcast, but um, it takes... Sometimes it can take a while for people to experience grace and truth in a culture. We've, we've often said environments are judged instantly, but culture is judged gradually. And so um, this has to be, become, uh, our culture has to be such an important part of what we do because people are always evaluating it and they're always experiencing it. Culture never is turned off. There's never an off switch on culture, like, oh, we can sit back now because we have the culture we want. There's always a drift. In fact, um, I've thought about it this way before, but culture is a combination of what we create and what we allow, what we create and what we allow. And so uh, think I think about this with my kids all the time. I can sit down and have a family meeting and say, this is who we are as a family. But if I allow something else in our family to go on all the time, I've actually... Uh, change the culture from what I've taught or preached to my kids or tried to create with my kids to something else because of what I've allowed with my kids. And so keeping a healthy culture, I mean, it's one thing to create a healthy culture. It's another thing to keep a healthy culture. And um, for where we sit in the organization, guys, um, this is one of our top priorities is to keep a, a culture of grace and truth because Every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. Every Sunday could be someone's last Sunday. And culture is a big part about that. So I like to think of it in what we create, but what we allow. I really am glad you said that, Eric, because this is a point of emphasis among our campus pastors. Sometimes they feel like they've been kind of given a particular culture now to do ministry in. In other words, uh, they live in a particular place in Utah that has a culture, and now they're trying to do church in a culture. And so the challenge for every one of our campuses is to actually create a new culture. From the culture that they find themselves in, they're actually going now to make the effort and take the incremental, you know, make the incremental decisions along the way over and over again that will lead to a particular type of culture which is full of grace and truth. And that's a quote from Jesus in <laughs> what it said about him in John chapter one. Oh yeah, man. So many things you said that I want to talk about there. Uh, the first, let's talk about the culture around Jesus. The people that were that were surrounding him, the Pharisees couldn't stand the people that he hung out with. He hung out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. They 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 loved being around him because there was a culture where he went. He brought a culture with him, and people were uh, they found it irresistible. They wanted to follow him. They wanted more of him, more of his teaching. Sometimes just more food, but they wanted to be around him because where he went, he brought a culture and. Um, and I think that is so interesting, and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, um, they couldn't stand that type of culture. They didn't like a grace and truth culture. They wanted to look at us, respect us, let us keep our power type of culture. And so um, I just like to, when I read the Gospels, I think of, look at the culture Jesus brought when he went to a new town or a new city. Look at the culture he brought into conversations. It was full of grace and truth. And I think what's so interesting about grace and truth, you're just talking about the life of Jesus, um, the people that were attracted to him. And I think some people want to, I can say this for myself, uh, me and my wife talk about this even with our friends a lot, is sometimes it's uncomfortable to live in that tension because I'm constantly trying to think through, okay, I'm trying to be grace and truth, grace and truth. It's easier to just go 100% grace mm -hmm. or 100% truth all the time. And then I don't have to live in that tension. But I, you know, living here in Utah just over three years now, constantly finding myself living in that tension, evaluating, you know, should I say this? Should I say that? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a hard thing. And so I think that's why some people just don't live that way. 
I said this, I think, in the first podcast, but I grew up in a church that basically had no doctrinal uh, compass. They had no idea who they were doctrinally or theologically, and so they would say that they were full of grace. Well, that's a misunderstanding of grace, the idea that everybody's welcome here and all opinions are welcome here, and uh, your truth is just as valuable as my truth. That is not grace. Grace is accepting people right where they are and not expecting them to change in order to become a part of you. Now, truth is very harsh if there's not grace. It, it comes across as controlling. And, and so what you said, uh, Adam, really helped kind of crystallize something in my thinking, and that is really churches are all grace or all truth, oftentimes, not just people. It's so interesting. Grace is getting better than you deserve. Now, the only way I know I got better than I deserve is if there's something telling me I don't deserve what I'm getting, which is truth or justice, saying, Eric, you don't deserve this, but you're going to get better than you deserve. For grace to be real, truth and justice are a prerequisite. And I think that's so important. So a lot of people talk about grace, but if you have a culture that doesn't have truth, I don't think it's... It's not grace. It's almost just meaningless, um, sort of... I don't, I don't even know the word. It's just too simple, shallow. Well, one of the illustrations that I know Andy Stanley talks a lot about grace and truth, and illustration he's used before, and I like it, is the woman that was caught in adultery. She was brought um, by these religious leaders and uh, angry men. <laughs> uh, you know, and they said, we need to stone this woman. What do you have to say about that? And of course, the Mosaic Law technically pointed in that direction, um, that adultery was that big of a deal. But Jesus said, of course, uh, he is without sin, cast the first stone. He's a genius in the way he defused the situation. And then he's, and, and so he showed a lot of grace to her by kind of stepping up and kind of filling in that gap. All that anger was diffused on her behalf. Now, she said, he said to her, go and sin no more. That's the truth part. So there's grace and truth. Like, what she did was wrong. And so that's true. There's some things are right, some things are wrong. We're gladly submitting to God as our authority and letting him tell us what's right and what's wrong. And then at the same time, we're patient, accepting, forgiving, and, and graceful and merciful with people as they struggle to walk that path. You know, I'm, I'm shocked you brought up that story, because I was just about to bring up that same story, Paul. So if culture is what you experience when you're around someone or something, that story is an incredible example of the culture Jesus brought when he showed up on the scene, because people are experiencing something very specific, and that woman is experiencing something very specific in that moment. And so culture is what we create and what we allow. So Jesus created a unique culture, a culture of grace and truth, but he didn't allow her to continue to sin. Go and sin no more. So Jesus is creating this experience with this woman and an experience for these Pharisees and what he is both teaching or creating and what he is no longer allowing or the things that he, yeah, he's not allowing these or the things he is allowing. She can actually go free. And so in that story, we see a perfect picture of Jesus and the culture he brought and how culture is created um, by what one says, but also by what one allows or doesn't allow. And I, I just love that passage. Um, 
It's a fantastic passage. Now, Paul, I want to revisit something you said back to um, our church, and that is these small decisions that our staff and leaders have to make to both create a grace and truth culture uh, and allow for a grace and truth culture. Let's talk about some of those small decisions, those small conversations that happen along the way that um, really do facilitate a grace and truth culture. Can you guys think of any um, off the top of your head of things we either say or things we allow or don't allow that that really makes for a grace and truth culture? Well, I have to put a little uh, boundary on myself here because I was I would just be diving into our cultural values yeah. that we want to start talking about in our next podcast. But truly, uh, as people come to us, we really need to. Uh, just be interested in who they are and learn their story and and really hear them and and make sure that they know that we value every single person, no matter what they've been through, no matter what kind of baggage they're bringing to SMCC. I think that is the beginning of a grace and truth culture. Yeah, I love that. Another you know simple thing here is that uh, the shift and the, the natural pull with church is to have a religious culture. That's just the natural shift in church. And we do not want that. We want to create a grace and truth culture, which is different than religion. And so we have to pay attention to what we allow or what we don't allow. And one of the things that we're just very focused on is our language, because language can get churchy. And when language gets churchy, your culture gets religious. And we want to be a church for people burned by religion, people who don't like religion. And so we have to guard our language. So there's things we just don't say. In fact, if someone's on the stage and they say something a certain way, we might say afterwards, hey, let me explain to you why we don't use that word here, because that word actually creates a culture we do not want to create. So that's a simple example of um, here's things we, we don't allow. One of those words that we like to use is invite. We invite you to, and then fill in the blank. We try to stay away from the word should, like everybody here should do this. That just has a controlling edge to it. Invite has an open and helpful and hopeful edge to it. And 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 we want to continually uh, make sure people know that they don't exist to make us successful. We exist to make them successful. Mm-hmm. We're for them. We mm-hmm. don't. We don't want to use them for our purposes. We want to be used by God for His purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of our values, Paul. And so we, you know, I don't want to say too much because we'll talk about this later. But um, one of the things we often do in our messages is say hey, if you're not sure what you believe yet, or if this is just a little too churchy for you, or if you're still in process, or, you know, what I'm saying right now really is for a Jesus follower, and if that's not you, this does not apply. Feel free to listen in, but this is not, you know, this does not apply. I have no authority over you or whatever. That is our way of saying a guest is welcome, and and we want them to feel comfortable here. So members value the guest as one of our values, and by saying things like that in a sermon, we communicate to everybody this is a culture where a guest a non-Christian, an atheist, or an agnostic is welcome. We want them here. They can belong before they believe. And so those small things in sermons, which if you've listened to, if people have listened to our messages for any length of time, they're probably like, oh, they're saying that thing again. Well, we say it every week, and we will continue to say it every week because it's a part of our culture. Yeah, and there's so many nuances to that. It's part of our culture because we expect 
new people every week, you know, mm-hmm. so that's part of it. Um, I, I'm, I, there's a lot of little things we can talk about. I think we should, because we don't worry, listeners, we will be going into our, our basically our values that shape um, specifically this irresistible culture. But there's some things that I know as people come um, to, to church at SMCC or even staff that come on, on staff have questions about, here's a big one, and I want to pitch it to you guys, because I know that this is part of just... Um, who we are as a church and we're talking about language and how language shapes our thinking. And, you know, so why, when somebody would come, give me some reasons. I know that you guys have them. When somebody comes here, why would they not hear, let's take, for example, so we're recording at our Draper campus right now. Why would, uh, why would Ben Roby, who's the worship director here, why would he not say, all right, you know, all right, church, let's worship together now as, as the first song starts up. Why would we not say that? Well, it's the same reason why we don't want to say, okay, church, you know, do, this let's clap or let's stand up or let's do that again this that's the assumption that everybody here is already in everybody believes the same everybody is actually worshiping god which the word means to show his worth and to ascribe worth to him and the truth is is there's 10 15 20 25 percent of our people that aren't there yet correct and so we're basically saying something about them that isn't accurate, and we're placing an expectation on them that is a burden because it doesn't fit their reality. Exactly. That's that's so important. And here's the thing about that. That, has, that will cost us, because if you're a Christian and you've gone to church your whole life and you show up at SMCC, it's like, why, didn't he, why did he say sing and not worship? I came to worship, and he said sing. This must be an X type of church, fill in the blank. And then it's our job as leaders and campus pastors to cast the vision for why we have certain language uh, at SMCC and why we don't have other language. And I think uh, this is all part of how we help people understand our culture and participate in the culture. And so um, I, I just think there's so many times I've had to sort of defend our culture, not to the non Christian, I've had to defend our culture to the Christian who doesn't think our culture is Christian-y enough. And, um, and it's really a vision-casting moment. And by the way, if, if that's you and, and you're kind of wondering if SMCC is a deep enough or committed enough church, I love having that conversation. I would love the opportunity to cast the vision. Let me ask, let me uh, go into a little bit different direction, but I think responding to something you said, Adam, about you know language and what makes us different, we don't talk about the pastor. Which is really interesting. This is an interesting non-use of words in our in our culture. And let's face it: in America, there is a kind of a hero worship going on in a lot of churches. There, there is a pastor that becomes the superstar. He's the big draw. Uh, the emphasis is on building his brand. His books are being sold in the bookstore. He's being featured on conferences and podcasts and all kinds of things like that. And and purposely, we tried to develop a church in which the all-star really was the volunteer, mm. you know, where we were pointing to that person who uh, served in whatever capacity, gave their time and effort to spread the fame of Jesus Christ in Utah on a volunteer basis, man, that person is going to be elevated as the most important person. Now, 
we have a rotating team of, of teaching pastors. We have a campus pastor at each campus. And so it's hard to figure out who's the man. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm the lead pastor, but a lot of people don't know me. And I, I've kind of stepped back a little bit over the years and made sure that each person has their time in the spotlight and they're recognized as really great men of God, but they're not the brand Mm. for SMCC. If anything's the brand, it's the SMCC way. That's the brand, and we serve that brand, and we're trying to make sure that Jesus is made famous instead of us. Man, I love hearing you say that, Paul. One of the things you always say when you go to preach is, I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And people are like, you're the lead pastor. Just say it. And you're like, no, uh, that no. I'm just I'm one of the pastors, you know. And I have this responsibility to steward um, this church in the role that God's placed me in. But um, when you say that, it always it just is so humble to me. So I really appreciate really appreciate uh, hearing you. Hearing well, you say there's that. a reason for it. It's not doesn't. It's not some thing. Well, I got to be humble here or something like that. Uh, I I remember Winston Churchill said. Uh, he is a very humble man for very good reason. <laughs> that, was, that was one of those things that's always stuck with me. But it is true that that statement is trying to build a culture. Correct. That's all I'm trying yeah. to do there. Yep, and I think you've done it. I think that has shaped uh, a culture. One other thing I love so much about our church, and and one of the ways you know you've created a culture is when certain language is adopted by the community or the culture. Uh, last year, we did a series called Gospel-ish. Anytime you add ISH to the end of the word, you change it, you shift it, you tweak it, and there's a lot of ish out there when it comes to the gospel. So we did this series on Gospel-ish, and ever since we did that, people have added that word, Gospel-ish, into their vocabulary. And you know you've uh, affected change, you know you've impacted culture when language is adopted. And so um, I think when maybe new staff members come here and they come on our staff and we say, we don't say it like that, or we don't use that word, it sort of feels strict. It sort of feels like, wow, this is, this is, uh, this is kind of rough, this is unique. But what we're trying to say is um, language shapes culture, vocabulary shapes culture. And so we pay careful attention to that. Um, because it is what people will experience at our church. One more thing I was thinking about as far as kind of what's unique about SMCC culture, uh, and, and you already mentioned it, it's not very religious, and, and one telltale sign of religion is oftentimes people uh, make everything super spiritual. And like God spoke to me, He's He's moving with it. You know, I, I felt God's hand on this. I, I and you know what? I want to recognize the fact that God does move in our hearts. He convicts. He encourages. He uh, gives joy. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that God is moving in our hearts and our minds and and our soul. And I don't want to discount that. But at the same time, so many things are justified by people who say that God told them or showed them or moved them to do something. And I actually think that culture needs to be out. That 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 needs to be exited from our culture because that's an LDS culture mm-hmm. thing. And it's a telltale sign of Mormonism because people are always talking about it. And Joseph Smith said that God told him all kinds of things, and Brigham Young the same thing, and, and even today... Um, 
President Nelson hears directly from God, and so he's always giving directives. So when they come here, we're a simple Bible church, in a sense, that we are under God's Word. That's our authority. We don't hear directly from God on all these different topics and issues. We're simply trying to follow what Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that you brought that up, Paul, because I was literally going to ask that question. I was thinking about language, I was thinking about our culture and how it's shaped by you know our language and those things are related. And then I was gonna ask why would, you know, with us three here in the room are, you know, kind of on the teaching team, Tom Mertz as well and St. George teaches, and I know Jake down there teaches as well. But anyways, when we teach, I don't think I've ever heard in the three years that I've been here, and it's very intentional. Getting up on stage, you know, maybe let's just take an example. Eric, sometimes you prep your message Saturday night, the last finishing touches, and maybe something comes to your head and you go, oh, this makes so much more sense to say it this way. But you wouldn't get on stage the next day and say, you know, God told me last night, so I was sitting at my desk, I need to say this. And Paul did explain that, but I mean, I'm sure you have those experiences as well, right? There's a certain yeah. way that we use that language. Totally. It, it's absolutely true. Um, when those things pop into my head, uh, you know, and I think, oh, that is a helpful way to say it, or... People often say, how do you guys come up with your messages? How do you, I was in the dentist chair uh, yesterday and she was like, you speak every week. How do you know what to say? And I said, God just downloads it. And I, no, but I was kidding, <laughs> God doesn't. It's, 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 uh, here's what I told her. She goes, how do you know what to say every week? And I say, you know what? I just think a lot about people. That's, that's all I, that's what we do. We think so much about people and we go, this is what they're going through. This is where they're at. We want to help. We want to shepherd them. We want to care for them. We want what's best for them. And what's best for them is the grace and truth of Jesus revealed to us through the Bible. And so the more time I spend thinking, the more time I spend uh, with people, the more I think wisdom goes up and then insight into people's lives go up. And when those things come together, submitted to God's Word, uh, you have a message. And so really, um, and the Holy Spirit's at work in all of that uh, as well. And so, yeah, it's not God spoke to me, that that type of stuff. Um, and it, he it's really has spoken, yes, right? Yeah. According to Hebrews chapter 1, He has spoken to us through His Son. Mm-hmm. And and we just want to honor that. Correct. That's all. And, and I think that sometimes when... Uh, the pastor or the person with the microphone is referring to how God speaks to them all the time and and moves in their heart or whatever they whatever language they use. Again, it ups the ante on hero worship. Like he hears directly from God. Mm. What a man of God! And it exalts them mm. instead of exalting Christ. Well, wow. which I think is a problem. Yeah, their culture. Then the culture at that church is then their personality. Mm-hmm. It's not a culture of grace and truth. It's a culture of this person. Yeah. So what we attempt to do with our hopeful and helpful messages, uh, putting that through the filter of grace and truth, is that it's always pointing towards Christ and how um, you know His Word. It's not about you know Paul getting the download you mm-hmm. know <laughs> directly from God. So I think that's really helpful for people. Mm-hmm. We're about at the time you know where we want to wrap up our our podcast, but I do want to encourage you guys with this. We just uh, hit the tip of the iceberg with this. We want to talk about an irresistible culture. We think that's really important for people to understand who are in SMCC or maybe trying to understand more about SMCC. Mm-hmm. We think this is really important. Now next week we're going to go start going through our values, and I want to give you a tease. Next week what we're covering this is. Uh, something that's really, really important to our irresistible culture is the uh, the members or those who are fully engaged at SMCC value and serve the guests. That's where we're headed next week for our episode. So I really want to encourage you to make sure that you're subscribed 
and listen uh, as the episodes come out. Uh, I want to encourage you guys again to please uh, leave a review on wherever you're at on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever it might be, uh, so that uh, we can keep those keep that going up and keep those reviews coming in. And then as well, um, again, you can leave an anonymous voicemail if you'd like to. Uh, you can call 801-382-8151. We'd love to have you do that. And um, really, we want to continue to, to just walk through um, just SMCC and its history and its values and all those things. And so we'd really like to have you continue on that uh, journey with us. We will see you next week. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.